Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to the Tell Janelle podcast, and I'm Janelle. I enjoy talking to people, getting their opinions on relationships, business, or current events. I will be inviting several friends to join me each week to discuss various topics. Anyone that knows me knows I love to have fun, I love to love, and I'm always striving to do better. Have I hit a few roadblocks along the way? Of course I have, and they could have been a dream killer, but hey, I'm making it through with a little help from my friends. I hope you enjoy the show and remember, we all make mistakes, but keep in mind, never be a prisoner of your past because it can be a license. Enjoy the show. I wanted to invite my special guest, Mr. Marion Jones. I found him on Facebook. He has a sensational story. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Hi, um, Syracuse, born and raised. Um, 65 years old. Um, protecting myself from the pandemic. That's mostly what I'm doing. Right oh, now. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, I'm just living life like I'm supposed to and doing all the things that I should do. Okay. Awesome. So, I just want to jump right into it. Your story that I read, you wrote a book. Can you tell us the name of your book? Um, the first one is Poems from Within Me, A Recovering Addict. Um, I was on drugs for part of my life, and mm-hmm. um, during my um, going through as far as with drugs, I was able to write this book. Even when I was getting high, I still wrote this book. Oh, wow. Oh, you know, the poem still came out anyway. And um, going through the emotions of doing this first book was... Um, the rough spot um, because it allowed me to go through my uh, emotion yes. of, of childhood, of losing my dad, and just the things that um, I didn't have when I should have, you know, like normal children do have, you know, when they have their fathers. So it was um, very heart wrenching, but I got through it and it healed me. And allow me to, to let out a lot of pain that I was going through. Okay. So let's let's talk about that. So you had your first book, and then what inspired your second book? Because I think that's the cover that I saw, where it's like the different pieces of Marion Jones, and it's like a puzzle. Yeah, this one right here. Yes, yeah, that this one right one there. This one right here. Yes. This, that, this book, it was 10 years later. Okay. And it was and it's from the, uh, 2005 when I did the, the first book. To 2015 when I got this one done. I, I continue to write because okay. by then um, my life has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, God forgave me and, and and took me back in. So from then on, like I said, I wrote. I heard pastors would would preach, and what they would preach was was in this second book. I would turn their topic into a poem. Okay. So I broke it down so you can understand. Because you know how preachers get, you know, they, they go off this way, that way. So oh, yeah. My dad's down. a pastor, so I, I know. But, it, you know, <laughs> what's funny is it seems like when they're preaching, they're speaking, like, right to me. It's like they're reading my mail. It's like, did I tell him what yeah. happened? or? Yes, yes, yes. And I just start jotting down stuff. And this thing I know is a, it's a poem. Oh, that's so. beautiful. 
So let's start like from the beginning. I know you said you experienced a lot of childhood trauma. I think all of us have, every human here. If we said that we didn't experience trauma, I think that we'd be lying to ourselves. So I experienced trauma myself. Um, So tell me a little bit about the trauma that you experienced. I know you said you didn't have, I guess, the normal necessity things that you would want or what you would like growing up as a child. So what else did you see? Because I know for me, I saw a lot of um, domestic violence in my relation, in my um, upbringing, um, just a lot of variations of, of violence, um, not even just domestic violence, like assault, um, you know, sexual harassment, a lot of things that you yeah. grow up seeing. And a lot of times we think that it's normal and it's actually not. Um, uh, walk me through some of that. Okay. Um, growing up, I can remember my dad. He taught me how to ride a bicycle. Bicycle. Um, then he, uh, he, uh, I got my thumb caught the door of his car mm. in 1957, something like that. And um, the cop, the, uh, he laughed at me when I got my, my finger caught in the door. He thought it was funny. But um, as, a, as a baby, I was walking towards him. And my mother said that when I went to jump in his arms, he moved his hand away. And I fell and busted my lip. And my dad said, I want to teach you a lesson. Trust Nobody, not even me. Oh, wow. You know, so that was a lesson that I had to learn the hard way, mm-hmm. you know, about trusting folks. But um, when you passed away, you know, it, it, it was tough. Um, but I didn't grieve for a long time because at that at age, um, I didn't know what to think. I didn't know where to go to. And nobody said, go talk to this person or go talk to that person right. about you about grieving and um, being born and raised in the church, you know, things were not what they seemed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I enjoyed it. I learned a lot in my church. It took me a while to get there, but I learned a lot. But you see things that are not right and kind of deter you away from church. Um, Mom got remarried and... Um, that's when all the problems started as far as growing up. Okay. Um, so I'm not sure if you're comfortable, but can you tell me about some of those problems? I know growing up um, just in the era that you grew up in, um, it's coming with a package. They'll come with the package, but then a lot of times the um, other parent or the non-paternal parent will be abusive or kind of play favorites between the children. So let me know a little bit about that. Well, my mom it was me, and I had another brother and another sister. Mm-hmm. And um, from my dad, from, from my mom's first marriage, mm-hmm. and he tended to um, uh, uh, get violent with my mom. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, we had to jump on him a couple of times, you know, because of the stuff they was doing. That's because he was cheating on my mom. You know? Okay, and um, they would get jobs arguments and stuff, but he would get into arguments with my mom when he got his kids over there. Okay, okay. he wants to show up. He wants to show out then. Right. But, um, um, it got to the point where, um, me and my sister and brother, we had, we had to beat him up. I'm sorry to say. Right. You know, you know, enough was enough of the abuse that we were going through. At this time, how old were you? Um, at this time, I think I was 15. 15, okay. And we turned 16, yeah. Okay. 
and um, we had uh, we had to jack him up because we had we just had enough, you know. Um, no more abuses, no more showing out in front of church folk, you know. It was just enough, um, and things sort of changed. He still did his dirt, you know, and um, I, I, I it, 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 well, I ended up getting kicked out of the house. Okay. At seven, at, at seventeen, because okay. of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, but the one thing that hurt me the most was hearing my mother call me a freeloader, and that broke my heart, you know, because. When she put me out, I had to jump from one relative's house to another relative's house right. to another relative's house. So, um, first chance I got and met met someone, she got pregnant, and we moved in together, and still I didn't understand what it was to be a man. Right. So, you know, I was still fumbling through. So looking back at it now, just all the trauma that you went through, I know you, it started maybe when you were 15, um, trying to defend your mom. I know for me, uh, my trauma started a lot earlier than that, trying to help my mom. I think I was about like four or five and my defense mechanism would be, I wasn't fight or flight. I would never like run, but I would always jump Uh in and try and help my mom because it seemed like she needed more help. And I would, my, 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 my weapon was my teeth. So I would bite down like on my, um, on my dad and try and make him like let go. Right. So I think the most helpless thing that I've ever experienced um, is that me losing my teeth, you know, and your teeth start falling out when I was about five or six and I felt hopeless or useless because I didn't have that anymore. You know, I didn't know how to fight because I would always bite down. So that was like kind of a thing that I'm like, oh my gosh, I I can't bite down because I lost my teeth. And I, in my book, I write, um, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. Cause I wanted my teeth to grow back. Yeah, I wanted my teeth to grow back so I I could help and I can jump in there and help. So that's some trauma that that I had. But how helpless you know it is if you're being kicked out at the age of age of seventeen and just trying to fig, find your way. What would you tell your younger self like now at that age? What would do you think you would have done anything different, or do you think you would have taken the same path? Um, I think I would end up taking the same path. It wouldn't have been nothing different. Okay. I had nothing else to look forward to. Okay. Um, I didn't feel loved. Um, I felt like I was abandoned by my mom, mm-hmm. you know, because she had two more kids with him. Okay. And they they was able to stay in the house, but he got rid of us one by one. Mm. Um, my other mom is, uh, over my father's side, right. you know, and it was crazy that she allowed it to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, now she, you know, she tells me it's the best she could have did. And I said, no, nah, I don't think so, Mom. You could have did more. Yeah. could have protected us a lot more. Mm-hmm. She doesn't see it that way. But that's on her, you know. But I had to let her know how I felt. Okay. At least you were able to get it off of you, too. And get some closure, yeah. even if it's for yourself. So you're 17, you get kicked out, you find someone, you get in a relationship, you have, um, you know, a child. And a lot of times, you know, like you said, we don't have any direction when we haven't had, like, good role models to model good mm-hmm. um, good parenting skills. So how, how did that work out? Like, how did, what what happened in, in that instance? Okay, um, well, the young lady that got pregnant, she had, we had twin girls. Oh, wow. And, um. Um, she was smart. She was, she was smart as a 
mm-hmm. but I wasn't, you know. And uh, you know how back then in the seventies, man supposed to be the breadwinner, right? Well, I tried to do that role and try to be tough like that until it was too late. Okay. And um, my fault is that I left her with the two kids and went to school, tried something different, went to college, and by the time I got back, it was too late. She had um, already got engaged to some other man. So, okay, you know, so you I lost did- out on so you did try and redeem yourself by going to college and coming back and being a better man, but it was too late? Yeah, but it was too late Okay. by the time I got back. Do you think that's what made you uh, spiral and turn to drugs? Or tell me what made you um, turn to drugs and, and how did that all happen? I always want to know like what, make you t- what makes you um, even try and experiment with it. I know for me, um, I was around alcoholism and I swore I would never, ever, ever drink, get drunk, party, hang out, and I haven't done that. I don't even like the way alcohol tastes. But just more importantly, mm-hmm. to see how um, it affects, you know, my, my relatives when they drink. So I swore I was going to do yeah. that. Well, it started out with drinking because mm-hmm. um, I was working um, with a state. And uh, on every payday, the guys would go to a bar and they drink. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was going to get those sissy drinks, you know. <laughs> Like a Shirley Temple or a Strawberry yeah, Daiquiri. Yeah, yeah. yeah something, something that's not, 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 you know, it sounds like it's got something in it, but it don't. Right. And uh, finally the guys were saying, like, nah, man, you got to take a shot. I never forget it was white label. And because they drunk it, I drunk it. Didn't white like label? It at all. Okay. White label, yeah. I, I didn't like it, but I did it because they were doing it. Right. So got to the point where I stopped, you know, I got old, and um, I got this snorting cocaine. Um, well, tell I me got, tell me that transition, though, because, I mean, how do you progress from drinking to, like, snort? did they offer that to you, or were you feel peer pressure, or how did that work? I was trying to hang, try, trying to hang with the big boys. Okay. And, um, you know, when it came to the drink, and then they had, and they had that, you know. Okay. So you would take that and drink. So now you're alert, mm-hmm. and you're drinking, and you're socializing, and that was the thing. Okay. Um, the point where I messed up that was in 1980, 1987, mm-hmm. is when it really got bad for me. I had um, a girlfriend. She found some drugs, and... We ran off and started getting high, and um, hmm, ended up cooking it, and it turned to cocaine. So okay. once you get, once you start doing the cocaine thing with the pipe and stuff, it's a wrap. Right. You know, it's no turning back from mm-hmm. that. Now you're hooked. Right. Okay. And that's what happened. I just kept doing that, kept doing that. You know, uh, losing apartment And that's what we do when we get in trouble. It's easier to tell somebody else it's your fault or blame it on our past or 
you know, I know a lot of people that do that because I did it. You know, I'd blame something on whatever happened in my past or this is the way I am. And then, but at some point, you know, I had to take responsibility. Okay, that's in the past. Going to dwell on 30 years mm-hmm. worth of stuff and you've been living for 30 years. So definitely, um, yeah. we, there's, a, there's a turn. So when did you make that turn? What made you decide um, to go the go go the straight and narrow? Um, <laughs> uh, I was, um, my brother was selling drugs mm-hmm. and people were ripping him off. Mm-hmm. So uh, he gave me a key. He said, come just watch my back. So I was watching his back for a while, you know, and he was still making stupid mistakes. Uh, but anyway, one day he borrowed my car to go buy a whole bunch of drugs. Right. He comes back, mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm fussing at him because he took my car. Right. So I'm I get ready to get my keys, and his house got raided. Oh. And um, I tell you, it was the worst thing in the world because the cops were beating me up. You know, right. they slammed the TV. They slammed the TV down on me. The whole nine yards. They were trying to really hurt me, and they handcuffed me. And they asked me. They said, "Where's, where's the drugs? Where's the drugs?" I said, "I don't have any drugs." They said, "Well, the pipe was sitting next to you." Well, I was sitting next to my brother. Right. So, so when they, so they assumed it was me. Mm-hmm. So my brother said, "No, no, it ain't him. It ain't him." He said, the "Pipe belongs to me." He took, he took the the rap like he was supposed to. Okay. You know? He said, no, nah, no, nah, he didn't have nothing to do with it. So I watched him get hauled off to jail. Um, Did they take you? No. No. They let me go. Okay. They let me go. Um, so then I'm walking away and I'm thinking, I don't shoot. I'm going to tell my mother and my sister what happened. So I think the day before I got ready to tell my sister, it came out in the police block. And I get a phone call from my sister saying, what did you do? Right. Because once the church found out, you know, they started buzzing, 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 right. you know, telling, them, telling the whole world, oh, yeah, Marion was in jail. Yeah, yeah, the drugs. So um, I go to the house the next the next day, we go pick up, we go to his house and look for my keys. Mm-hmm. And the house is tore up. They, all his so-called friends that ripped the house apart, took all his TVs, everything he had. So I get there and um, a guy says, well, he's out. I said, he's out? I said, oh, good. He comes upstairs with my keys and, I, and he gives me my keys to the car. And the first thing come out of his mouth, he says, I don't have no money. I don't have no drugs. And I said, man, you just got out of jail. You didn't learn anything? Right. When he said that, when he said that, I turned around, walked downstairs, got in my car, and I left. Uh And that was October 19th, 2005. Oh, you remember? Oh, yes. The exact day. The exact day. So it turned so, you around yeah. knowing that he wasn't going to change? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that was it for me. You know, I said, no, I got to do, do better. I got to do better. I got to do better. And that's a scary feeling, too. Somebody that you adore, you respect, you love, 
and you know they're doing they're making the wrong choices and you're following almost right in their footsteps but not really because you're in collusion um but you're kind of standoff um in the back just kind of watching that that's scary watching a loved one just go down the wrong path yeah 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 uh, my mom said i wasn't strong enough to be there which i i, I wasn't i mm -hmm. shouldn't have been there in the first place right okay but that was a valuable lesson right mm -hmm. there. Um, and now I'm 15 years clean. Oh, that's awesome. So how'd you get clean? You just got clean on your own, or did you go to a, a, a step program? or? Well, after, well, before then, I, I went to like four different rehabs. Okay. Okay. Um, I got the tools. But what happened was is that... Um, Knowing God, you know, and going through the tools that they, that they wanted me to go through, mm -hmm. didn't match what God had for me. So I didn't have to go to another rehab in 2005. Mm -hmm. Only thing I had to do is follow his orders, you know, and steps and, and just stay away from it. Because it took like one day at a time. That's what he said. That one day turned into a week. That week turned into two weeks, and two weeks turned into a month, and each time I was, I was amazing myself because mm -hmm. it was happening. I didn't, I didn't miss anything. Right. You, you know, so that was the part that got me. And next thing I know, a year don't went by, another year don't went by. Um, I was able to talk about it more. Um, I can go back to this book right here, mm -hmm. and. And, and, and just read it, read it all over again, and just go through the uh, of what I've been through. Oh wow! You know, but then when I go to this book, because this is I guess, my favorite. Okay. This book right here. And when I go to that book, it's just the words that uh, I, I got the Bible scripture, the where I read it, where the poem came from, so you can read it for yourself, the story. Um, that is so beautiful. So you have to, you have to share like. A poem and and the and the scripture and verse. Can you do that for us right now? Yeah. Okay. And this is from the first book, correct, or the second book? No, it's just the second book. Second book. Okay. Now, you want to, now, now the first one is just fifty poems of, of of me crying out. Okay. So let's hear you cry out what? first, and then we'll hear the okay. redemption in the second half. Okay. Now, God, God had me up for three days for three poems that I started out with. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. So I'm going to read this, this, this one right here called I Want to Live. Okay. For many years, I've done drugs. For many years, I slept doing that under the rug. I lied to myself and other people around me. Sometimes I wonder if it was me they really see. So much to offer, so much to give. My heart screams out, I want to live. I am tired of going from program to program. It's time for me to stand up and do what I can. Stop blaming others for my mess. I have to stop my foolishness. So much to offer, so much to give. My body aches out. I want to live. I told myself to leave the good life behind, but there's only drugs playing tricks with my mind. I want to live. I want to live. 
my brain screams out, I want to live. That is so beautiful. It makes me want to cry because um, I have so many family members that are affected by drugs. Um, yeah, one of my cousins uh, was murdered in the alley. Uh, one murdered in a warehouse. Um, drive by. I mean, it's so profound that you say I want to live, and I know they did want to live. They just couldn't get out soon enough. So yeah. that's yeah, yeah, definitely. That's yeah. beautiful. That's really nice. And that was what year was that written? Yeah. Um, that was in my first one. That was written, you know, I don't have the date in this one. Okay. But um, I say it was in 2000. Okay. Awesome. 2000. So this is you crying out, screaming to God, I want to live. My dad has yeah, a story similar. A no, my dad has a story yeah. similar to that, too. He um, was shooting dice in the back of a pickup truck. And um, uh -huh. he so one of the guys was cheating. So he got upset and he hit the guy, the gentleman. And then... Um, the gentleman, you never know who's around you. You really got to watch your surroundings when you're in that kind of lifestyle. And then um, one of the other guys pulled a gun on my dad and pulled the trigger three times. And it didn't shoot. And then he wow. ran. He, yeah, and he ran to the church. The church was right down wow. the street from where from where that incident took place. And he's been, you know, running towards Jesus the whole time. Mm. And that was over 20. I know it had to be over like 27 years ago. It's been a long time. Wow. And everyone that, yeah. that, that hears my dad's story is like, he was a bad actor. I'm like, yeah, but he's a good actor for God now. So, yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, yeah, my dad is so yes. amazing. Um, we do church every Sunday, and his name is Reverend Roy Lee Fitzpatrick. You know, I have to say that, give him a shout out. Reverend Dr. Roy okay. Lee Fitzpatrick from Greater Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. <laughs> but yeah, he. <laughs> But he, he is, he's amazing. He loves people. He loves my, you know, his grandchildren and, and his kids too. But um, definitely there is something that kind of snaps you and lets you know that, hey, I, I want to live. And running yeah. towards God is the best place that we can run to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so yeah, your second uh, your second book um, is Redemption and Glory. And what what is this? What are these? Is this a poem? Are these poems as well? Yeah, these poems. They got received. In both books, there's stories in the back. Oh, okay. Like the, from, from, this, from the first one, it tells you my life story of how I grew up. Okay. And the pain that I was going through. Mm -hmm. This one is, um, tells you that how God had kept me all these years. Oh, that's in beautiful. In spite of myself. That's beautiful. Um, and it's a full picture of Mary and Levi Jones. Um, oh, you have a nice, strong I, biblical name, Levi. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm trying to hold on to. You know, I'm trying to hold on to that name. Oh, yeah. Uh, but um, I, got, I, I did one um, called I Made It, but I Ain't Got It Made. Okay. Would you like to read that to us? Yeah, I can do that. Okay. I've been up and I've been down. I've been turned every which way, in circles, round and round. I stumbled and fell flat on my face. More than I can count. I got back up, scratch, bruised, but not out. I made it, but I ain't got it made. I'm, I'm fighting for this. I'm fighting this battle for my life to stay clean, to live right by the word, and what it means. There's a spiritual warfare which is going on right now, taking us one by one, 
You don't know when or you don't know how. I've made it, but I ain't got it made. Understand who you are and whose you are. Not letting, not getting too uppity, too comfortable, doing what you want to do. Taking it a little bit too far. Realizing that the Lord, and we, excuse me, realizing that he is Lord and because of him, you're here. Stop walking and acting like you have nothing to fear. I made it, but I ain't got it made. I made it because he died for me. Took the beatings and tortures to set me free. He was born for that reason. He could die. Why would would you sacrifice yourself for someone else like that in the blink of an eye? Yeah, I made it, but not to turn back after where he brought me from. And more like me out there, there work to be done. To hold up the bloodstained banner and let my light shine through. So he can see what I did for me. So you can see what he did for me. He'll also do for you. I made it. I made it. Yes, I made it. He's still working in me and with me. I'm a work in progress, but I ain't got it made. Oh, I like that. That's really nice. So not giving away everything, we definitely want to hear about um, you being a deacon and where they can find your book. So what church do you go to right now? Second Island Missionary Baptist Church, 818 Southwest Street, Syracuse, New York. Okay, and then who's the pastor there? Pastor Cyrus Thornton. Okay, and then how long have you been a deacon? Uh, I was a deacon before I even got... I, I was like a deacon even before I got the official um, uh, coordination. Okay. So I'll say about I'll say about maybe five years. Okay. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations! It's a big charge being a deacon. It's a lot of responsibility. My dad's deacons have a lot of responsibilities too. They think it's just you know helping the pastor. There's a lot going on behind the scenes that you know the congregation doesn't doesn't know about. It is. You know, the is. phone calls, the visits, setting up communion or whatever, you know, it's a lot of responsibilities, a lot of duties, and it's a big job. So not everyone is, is um, I won't say not seasoned for it, but it's, it's not a job for the for the weak or the faint at heart. So definitely you have a lot of responsibility. So thank you for being a deacon. Definitely appreciate that. Yeah. And then, yeah. um, so you've been a deacon for five years, heard the name of your church. So what's next for Marion Jones? I'm working on a third book. But uh, it's not coming like the, 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 the poems not coming like they should. And because of the fact that the pandemic don't allow us to go to church and do anything, right. know, so I can hear a word, or a good word, mm-hmm. so it, it, I'm doing slowly but surely. Okay. Um, continue to go that straight and narrow. Okay. That's yeah. awesome. So where do you see yourself in the next five years? Um. <laughs> Well, you know what, to tell you the truth, I hope to, have, to be married to tell you the truth. I'm tired of being alone. That's the one, one I think, but um, that's part of life. But um, uh, what happens, I want to be able to travel and do things that I've never done before. Okay. You know, um, yeah. I have a bucket list of things I want to do. 
Well, that's awesome. So um, thank you for joining our show. I'm so excited that you came. Just tell us where we can get your book, your website, your contact info, so we can definitely get the word out so they can hear these beautiful poems and hear more about your life story. Okay. Uh, the best thing to do for, for them to do is email me at Levi Jones, L-E-V-I-J-O-N-E-S, 55 at yahoo.com. I have the book myself. I cut out the middleman. So you can get the books from me. Um, phone number. No, I ain't get the phone number. <laughs> Email address is just um, fine. Yeah. But um, if you want to go to the web website, mm -hmm. um, you can go to um, mljrecovery.com, and that will pull up my web page uh, and show you the book, my bio and stuff like that, and you can continue from there if you wanted to book yourself. Okay, well, thank you so much. And then can you tell my audience hello, and we thank you for coming. Hello, hello. <laughs> thank okay. you for having me. Yes. Finally, we got it. We got it. <laughs> well, it was amazing. I hope you enjoyed the show with Mr. Marion Jones. I wanted you to hear his poem again just before we ended the podcast. I made it, but I ain't got it made. Listen in. Thank you for listening to the Tell Janelle podcast, where each week we'll learn together and grow together. If you would like to be a guest on our podcast, have a topic that you would like to talk about, or just tell us how we're doing, please contact me at telljanelle at telljanelle.com or call 214-600-8509. That's J-E-A-N-E-L-L -L at telljanelle.com.
Be optimistic. Think great things are coming, no matter what you're currently going through. Think there's so much to look forward to. Now go out there and be amazing.